Yeah, we kick things off by taking a look at the latest in the world of money and power. And uh, yeah, joining us to help us take a look at the latest in money markets, Akwana Mlamleli, Portfolio Manager at 27 for Investment Managers. Akwana, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening, Ayabonga. Thanks very much for having me this evening. Yeah, thank you very much for coming through. Akwana, uh, we picked up on a story last week uh, of uh, the latest that was happening out in Prasa. I think we also spoke... Uh, to one of the trade unions that organizes their prasa uh, after the, um, I guess, uh, yeah, suspension initially and Opele uh, Kotwa, Uzolani Matthews. And uh, yeah, it seems now he's taking uh, the passenger rail agency to the labor court. Yes, that's the correct, correct. So we've been hearing a lot from prasa and what's been happening in the developments, um, particularly for that entity. And we haven't heard much from the man himself, or CEO, um, ex-CEO, Zolani Matthews. So, yes, in the last two weeks um, of the termination of his employment, um, ex-CEO of um, PASA, um, Zolani Matthews, is heading to um, the labor court um, to challenge particularly his, dimiss- his dismissal and also the processes uh, pertaining to suspension and obviously the dismissal that took place in the last two weeks. Um, so in this particular paper to, um, in the Labour Court, um, he has um, included the likes of the Chairman of PASA, Mr. Lenga Tamakakane, and also the Transport Minister, Fikilem Balula, um, as respondents, particularly to this um, particular case that warrants him. So he is heading to court um, with regards to the processes that were followed or not followed thereof, um, so he is um, initiating that and will be waiting for the respondents to um, to provide their feedback, um, hopefully by the end of December of this year. And then he will obviously provide his corresponding respondents um, by the beginning of the, um, January of next year. So, yes, we do um, see this particular entity um, currently not in the news for all the right reasons, um, but we hopefully this solution will come towards an end and the entity will find some stability because we all know that it needs stability with the challenges that it currently has with its infrastructure and management and executives so it's able to provide some of the injection to the economy that is required and we know that the role that PASA does play um, with regards to the railway and services that they do play and commuters um, to and from work so this is uh, something that is not um, of much liking that South Africans would obviously like to see this entity um, going forward and providing some um, contribution to the South African uh, consumers mm-hmm. and but also to the South African economy. Look, I mean, I think it's a big concern if you think about who uh, in particular are the users of these services. Um, primarily poor working class, uh, mm. you know, black South Africans. Um, and all of this instability has a massive bearing on the ability to provide the service, provide it reliably, mm. provide it on time. Uh, mm. All of which, I guess, haven't been happening. And uh, if the reports on the weekend are anything to go by, you know, 6,000 mm. kilometers, I think that was the number, of uh, rail stripped, uh, you know, of uh, all of the uh, metal, I assume, I guess, to be sold and scrapped. Um, and, uh, yeah, it doesn't mean many trains are going to be running anytime soon. Yeah, no, so, like you said, Aya, so um, it does affect the communities who are going to and try to obviously provide... Um, daily bread for their um, families, um, but also in terms of the economy and the much injection that this particular entity can become such a pivotal point um, to our economy, however, is struggling with regards to not only the executive challenges, but obviously the infrastructure that is um, dilapidating year, year in and year out. So um, it is disappointing that these matters um, have not been fixed um, post the appointment of the new board um, and obviously the 
history that particularly this entity has had um, historically. Um, so yes, it's got a lot of work that needs to be done, um, and hopefully these executive and management um, challenges can be sorted out um, so PASA can get back to its vision and goals that it intends to provide to commuters and the South African economy. Yeah, I certainly think uh, so that many South Africans join you in that sentiment, Akwana, hoping that uh, at least things will come on the mend out at the Passenger Rail Agency. Let's take a brief break now, Akwana, and uh, when we come back, I want us to take a look at uh, the latest uh, piece of good news that came out in a SENS announcement from MTN's Nigeria operations. And uh, yeah, it also seems Abanbaga Boris Johnson list, and we'll take a look at what list that is and more importantly what it means for us here in South Africa. Let's take this break. It's Metro FM talk here on the mighty Metro. 21 minutes it is after 7 p.m. Uh, we are smack bang into our business wrap. And uh, Akwanam Lamleli, Portfolio Manager 27.4 Investment Managers, is my guest, uh, helping us to take a look at some of the big stories out in the markets. And uh, Akwana, I want us to start off, I guess, with the story coming out of MTN's Nigeria operation. Successful bid for 3.5 gigahertz spectrum license, uh, which uh, will enable their fifth generation of 5G rollout. Yeah, so the MTN Nigeria um, has been awarded um, one of two um, licenses that were offered in auction, um, particularly on Monday, um, according to the Nigerian Communications Commission. Um, this will obviously enable um, MTN Nigeria and others that have been uh, awarded this license um, to be able to provide 5G and have been given 5G licenses um, to be able to provide um, wireless um, 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 connectivity, uh, particularly to consumers and to businesses, um, in order for them to obviously grow as an economy, um, but also just make it easier to access in terms of communication. So this has been a, a much uh, anticipated and welcome news, um, particularly for the region. Um, Nigeria um, aims to uh, deploy 5G 
um, across many um, urban areas within the within the country and also become Africa's largest network um, for spectrum, um, which they have channeled and have a vision for by 2025, um, as the Minister of Communications in Nigeria did indicate. So this is a pleasing note um, that Nigeria, um, MTN um, is being part of this. As we know, um, MTN has been uh, quite a significant player within that region, um, but also, however, in South Africa, where it does have uh, numerous subscribers. Um, however, a majority of them are particularly in that region where they have been able to be successful, um, not only in the Nigerian economy, but you would have recalled in the last few days. Um, we've also uh, communicated the group MTN um, initiated an IPO, particularly in Uganda, um, for uh, shares in terms of uh, to be listed, uh, particularly on that securities exchange. So it is pleasing and um, useful for the group. Um, as it looks to diversify its revenue, just to roll out um, its new strategy of what they call Ambition 2025, um, which looks at just restructuring and separating its infrastructure assets um, in terms of their fintech operations and also to um, unlock value for um, shareholders, um, particularly in attracting third-party capital um, for a number of the investments that they're currently making. Mm. I mean, this is a major market for them. Um, not only insofar as their telecommunications plays are, are concerned, but I guess a new, um, well, not necessarily new, but a big avenue for potential growth. I mean, if you think about, you know, the fintech offering, the mobile money offering in that part of the world, and even, I guess, the, the scale of their market penetration on the connectivity side, going towards 5G opens up all manner of other possibilities uh, in related, uh, I guess, economic activities for them. Yeah, that's so it does. And also it operates and um, it opens um, other avenues in terms of um, more subscribers, um, particularly to their network, and also opens up other avenues and other markets where they haven't been, uh, or other markets where they are intact. Um, so it, it offers, offers a number of opportunities for the group, um, which they've been able to do successfully outside of South Africa. We know a lot of South African companies, particularly um, that were originated in South Africa, have not been successful in the African market. Um, outside of Nigeria, um, particularly the likes of ShopRite, which obviously came out of Nigeria in the past few months. Um, however, MTN um, has had to receive a number of fines um, for some of the, um, the subscribers that were not um, recut at the time um, and obviously had to go through the growing pains of being in that market. Um, however, I think um, it, it is a market that they've been able to um, weather the storm and obviously come out on the other side because they are obviously venturing in other um, markets, particularly within this area, and are growing. And the, the Commission and the Nigerian community seems to be embracing them um, alongside um, other telecommunications agencies um, within the region. Mm. And let's maybe shift, uh, I guess, away slightly from uh, the telecoms uh, sector. And I think many people are going to be watching quite closely how uh, that unfolds, how it influences the operational priorities of MTN in Nigeria and across the entire region, one might add, uh, and uh, come back to South Africa on the tourism side of things. Now, uh, I mean, I saw a clip earlier on uh, from one of our colleagues here in the world of journalism, and uh, they were interviewing uh, the health minister, uh, Dr. Joe Pasha, uh, and had asked him, you know, you know, have you seen the news coming out that we might potentially be removed from the list? He was very, very happy. Uh, although I guess it was still news to him as well. Uh, but it seems, you know, this is uh, all but confirmed now that uh, certainly by tomorrow we should uh, be off of that list. And I don't know, uh, Akona, whether or not that's going to have any influence on uh, the type of tourism arrivals we have. Mm -hmm. Because people plan these in advance. But I also do know that many people, I guess, would have been planning for the whole summer and not just only mm -hmm. for the Christmas break. Yeah, no, you're, you're right to correct. Um, 
as this morning the news trickled in, particularly pertaining that there would be some communication later on the day of the and the South African other South African nations, Southern African nations being removed from the list. Um, so the news did come this afternoon um, where it was confirmed um, today um, by the House Secretary, um, Saish Javid, um, particularly of the Parliament, who communicated that um, 11 countries um, that were on the UK's travel red list um, from tomorrow, 6 a.m. South African time, will be removed. Um, so South Africa, um, Lesotho, um, Nigeria was one of the, um, those 11 countries that were um, other neighbors that we currently have will be removed. Um, but pertaining to your question, um, Aya, um, yes, uh, people, when they do uh, make travel plans, um, don't just travel or make the plans in, in the next week or so. Um, it's something that is taken into consideration weeks before. Um, so um, I think um, it does provide some reprieve. Um, however, I think a lot of people who had already cancelled um, post the news two weeks ago, I don't think they'll be um, making those arrangements again. So I think we'll just have to wait and see how the tourism sector does say. Um, I think it is good news for now. Um, however, I think we'll just have to wait for those numbers that do come out next year if these particular good news um, were felt, particularly in the tourism sector, sector, particularly the likes of the Western Cape, where we know um, it's quite a hot attraction, particularly in the December period um, for local tourists and also international tourists. Yeah, we certainly hope that, I guess, the summer will recover somewhat. Uh, because, uh, yeah, I think we've lost Abba Bebezeli Christmas. But more, I mean, I guess the other dynamic is that, you know, this also has massive implications uh, for many of the jobs we've been talking about in uh, the mm. tourism sector, the hospitality and leisure sector as well. Um, and, and I guess, you know, there's, there's big question marks around whether or not other countries uh, who are big source markets for many of the uh, tourism arrivals that we have are going to follow suit and uh, also, I guess, extend some science into what has really been about conjecture and innuendo thus far. Yeah, so we hope so, um, Aya, but I think from the communication that came from the health secretary in the UK um, is that the reason why they have um, taken us and other um, countries off the list was that um, the uh, Omicron variant is not just um, within these nations, um, but also it's very much spread in the UK and various other parts of the world. Um, so it didn't make much sense um, to have this country particularly on the red list um, but yes, um, particularly with regards to tourism, as we know, tourism employs a numerous amount of people and is very much dependent, uh, very much a, a big part of our GDP. When GDP numbers are released, um, tourism um, plays a very much a pivotal point in terms of employment. Um, so um, this was obviously a knee-jerk reaction that was, um, took place two weeks ago. Um, however, we do hope... Um, some of the losses or some of the cancellations that we did see, um, we do some, see some of the, these jobs um, come back um, and supported um, within the, the tourism sector. Yeah, I guess we can only hope um, because, you know, I mean, just the implication of, of traveling during mm. this moment, is, is, you know, for many people is, uh, you know, something, you know, that has a lot of people just up and thinking about it, especially if you have to have all of these costly quarantines when you finally mm. do travel uh, or when you finally make your way back. Uh, and uh, one certainly hopes that uh, this is uh, going to all go well uh, for the hospitality sector and uh, we might see uh, some surge in many of the bookings that we've heard over the last while weren't uh, going too well. But uh, Akwana, the other story I wanted us to talk about, a very fascinating story coming out of Nairobi. Now, uh, Opibus. Uh, it seems Uber drivers are set from next year to buy electric motorcycles from Kenya's Opibus. 
who is Opibus? And uh, I guess what's, what's happening here? I hear they are in the business of converting vehicles that are combustion engine vehicles into electric vehicles. Yeah, so Opibus um, is a startup firm from what, um, with regards to making um, electrical motorcycles, um, which they have partnered up um, with um, a number of um, African countries, um, such as Kenya, particularly with regards to um, the initiative that they'll be bringing. So Uber and Optibus have partnered um, particularly on this um, partnership to use electrical motor cycles across Af- Africa. And they're looking to deploy about 3,000 electrical motorcycles and two drivers um, in the year 2022. Um, and these um, particular partnerships was initially like a, a, a pilot program which Uber and Swedish um, Kenyan Opibus announced um, this particular um, strategic partnership with regards to the use of electric motorcycles in Africa. And Uber particularly wants to use this platform to accelerate particularly the mass adoption of electrical vehicles, particularly in the region. Um, as we know, in Kenya, the motorcycle industry um, is the largest uh, employer. Um, it is about estimated about 1.2 million youth make use of this particular initiative in order to transport and um, be goods or um, commuters um, to and fro. So this is a quite a, a very big initiative, but I think what's most pivotal is that um, it's a zero-emission electrical motorcycle um, which um, Uber and most of the drivers will be using um, as a service in order to um, combat um, zero-emission motorcycles um, throughout the region. But I think another pivotal point with regard to this particular initiative is the electrical motorcycles um, will have such a significant difference to the driver's operating income because it will end up uh, reducing um, in terms of their maintenance and also the operating costs, um, particularly when using these motorcycles in an effort to obviously reduce and not only the emissions, but also cost reduction with regard to the um, operations. You know, I find this very interesting because we often hear of, um, I guess, entire transitions, not just of, you know, um, plant and manufacturing combustion engines and trying to get those into the renewables. But um, I find this one very interesting as a transitional arrangement of trying to retrofit electric vehicle technology onto combustion Type vehicles. It might be a scooter, might be a truck, it might be, you know, a, a automobile. And and I guess in markets like Kenya, where there's massive import of secondhand vehicles, mm. uh, which constitute, I guess, m- much of the commercial vehicles, uh, be it those that are used by Uber and those that are used by, you know, the uh, meter taxi industry in that part of the world. Uh, mm. I mean, this potentially could be a game changer, not only just for this uh, Opibus entity, but even for many countries that are looking at you know, the minimum emission commitments? Yeah, so the partnership, um, as we indicate, will lead to a carbon reduction, um, but also at the same time, also creating a better environment uh, within the cities, um, which will provide um, less noise. And um, if you've been to um, not only um, South Africa, but our neighboring countries, um, there's, there's very much noise, particularly in the hubs of where the economies and the businesses are. So this particular initiative will also look to um, reduce um, such noise and also participate in emissions and low, um, lowering carbon emissions um, globally. Um, but also, it's also very much important that this particular um, initiative will be not only in um, Kenya, where it is currently um, at play at the moment, and where these 3,000 uh, motorcycles will be deployed next year. Um, however, it will look to um, other avenues and other um, countries where Uber is very much prevalent, such as South Africa, um, Lagos, um, the likes of 
uh, Nairobi. So we do look for this initiative, not just only to um, be in the parts of where it is currently um, in Kenya, um, but also to um, spread across um, various other um, African countries. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, the, the last dynamic certainly is, is insofar as the intellectual property is concerned. I mean, we know in this case, this is a Swedish uh, university type pilot. Um, and I mean, I would certainly hope many African countries go into these types of deals fully aware of the value that the intellectual property that is tested on many of its people um, has, I guess, in, in the global production of some of these things. Yeah, so as you say, it's a Swedish um, partnership that um, was a more like a collaboration um, that has taken place. So we do hope that a lot of countries um, are very much aware of the significance of that this particular partnership can make, but also um, how it can contribute to, to the economy and also contribute to um, the communities um, that make use of particularly this um, product offering. Um, as particularly the um, general manager for Uber and sub, sub Sub-Southern Africa um, said they are obviously trying to um, transform mobility, particularly within countries, not only to reduce um, carbon emissions, um, but also to um, looking at ways how to improve, improve uh, particularly um, our experience um, as Uber commuters um, in terms of um, being able to um, invest in um, innovations and also in safe and reliable, um, durable, environmentally friendly, sustainable um, impact not only for the drivers but also for the communities and also the cities in which they operate in. Yeah, and I guess the, the other point of this uh, for us here, if we are to bring it any closer to home, is that you, you kind of first have to secure your own energy or electricity supply. I mean, it doesn't help to have, you know, uh, electrical uh, vehicles, the scooters that deliver food and all of that stuff if, if you don't have electricity. No, that's correct. And especially, um, not only um, in the urban areas, but also uh, in the um, urban areas, and um, sorry, rural areas um, where we reside. So I think it can be very much, it's an innovative um, a partnership that has taken place that can very much be capitalized by um, people who, and entrepreneurs um, who get into this um, sector and, and do obviously want to provide an economic viable um, solution for communities and also for the economic and the business in which they run. Yeah, Akwana? And thank you very much uh, uh, for uh, sharing so generously of your time, not only tonight, but also, I guess, uh, for much of uh, this year as well. And I uh, wish you all of the best and a uh, good break. Um, and yeah, uh, that is a rest of one. And uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. And may you also have a festive and safe and festive season. Awesome stuff. Akonam Lamleli, the Portfolio Manager, 27.4 Investment Managers, helping us with our wrap of the top business stories. We take a brief break now, and when we come back, uh, we go straight into our headlines, and we ask you uh, whether or not our fight against corruption is still underway. Uh, just judging by the state of health of uh, many of our law enforcement institutions, do let us know some of your thoughts on our WhatsApp line, 79 4270 one We take this brief break. When we come back, we continue with our headlines.